Engaging presentations on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. Well, welcome, friends. Pro-Life leader Frank Pavone here, National Director of Priests for Life, live with you this Saturday morning. Hope that you are having a good weekend so far, and we'll continue to do so. We want to delve into the Scriptures today, see what the Word of God has to say to us, uh, put ourselves in His presence, and pray for one another because we're praying for one another. Uh, As usual, you know that you can leave your prayer intentions in the comments. I can see the comments right in front of me. And hello, Judy, and uh, all those, the rest of you who will be joining us. Uh, so let's pray for one another, and let us know as many prayer intentions as you, uh, as you have. Uh, Luann is here as well, and uh, great to have so many faithful listeners, and um, many, many platforms that we're going out on this morning, as usual, and feel free to invite others as we, as we move forward. Okay, let's put ourselves in God's presence. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord, we come before you today with joy, with vigor. We know the battles that we are in, starting with the battles within our own minds and hearts, the struggle against sin, temptation, doubt, discouragement. Lord God, we are strong in your spirit, and we tell these temptations to flee. We ask you to deepen our repentance, deepen our trust in your forgiveness, deepen our witness to others to your kingdom, that they might be led to repentance and confidence in your mercy. Bless us with an abundance of your grace today to both understand, live, and proclaim your word. Thank you for this time, Lord God, with your word. May we feast on it each day as our living food unto eternal life. We pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. I'm going to read to you uh, today from the Gospel of St. Matthew, uh, coming from chapter 23. Jesus spoke to the crowds and his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees have taken their seat on the chair of Moses. Therefore, do and observe all things whatsoever they tell you, but do not follow their example. For they preach, but they do not practice. They tie up heavy burdens hard to carry, and lay them on people's shoulders, but they will not lift a finger to move them. All their works are performed to be seen. They widen their phylacteries and lengthen their tassels. They love places of honor at banquets, seats of honor in synagogues, greetings in marketplaces, and the salutation rabbi. As for you, do not be called rabbi. You have but one teacher, and you are all brothers. Call no one on earth your father. You have but one father in heaven. Do not be called master. You have but one master, the Christ. The greatest among you must be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, but whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Truly an important and powerful reading, uh, brothers and sisters. It teaches us who we are as the people of God. We are the church. Ecclesia is the word in Greek and in Latin for church. And what it actually means is a group of people who have been called together. Called. Now, called implies what? That someone spoke. That there's a word that calls people who were scattered in different places 
to come together around that word. Friends, there is one who speaks the word, the God who calls together his church. And that's always the case. Call no one on earth your teacher. You have one teacher, the Christ. He's talking about the origin of the word and therefore the attitude that we all need to have of humility that, you know what, we look at each other and we say, we are all equally subject to that word. None of us lords it over others. Of course, there's a key teaching here referenced to the culture of life, which is that this idea of being the master, Jesus says, do not be called master, you have one master. Nobody is master over someone else's human life. Not the mother, not the father, not a doctor, not a government. All of us are brothers and sisters, equal and therefore bound to respect that equality and to preserve and protect it. Nobody can choose to take somebody else's life. And that includes of the unborn children in the womb. But what this teaching is getting at here further than that is the, the, the word that calls us together, that establishes our identity as the people of God, that gives rise to and constitutes the gospel of Jesus Christ, that is the message that we all preach and teach and share and learn and pass on to our children and, and, and use as our guide to shape the policies of society. This comes from one source, one authority. Now, this is particularly important. At this particular time within the Catholic community, when there's so much confusion, to realize that, you know, we don't say at the end of the reading, you know, the, the word of the Pope, the gospel of the Pope. This is the word of the bishop. This, the gospel of the priest. No. You have one teacher, the Christ. That's why the Pope is called the Vicar of Christ. Supposed to be reflecting the teachings of the one who, as the letter to the Hebrews says, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The one who gave us the deposit of faith, which Paul tells Timothy and tells all of us to guard. Guard. Not distort. Guard. Not selectively edit. Guard. Not evolve. You have one teacher. Now, we can get, I know not everybody who watches us is Catholic. In fact, Kim, thank you for asking. I was just, you read my mind. I was going to go into that. Uh, some people look at this passage and say, well, this is about titles and, and terminologies. It's about the point that I've been making right now, which is a point that can unite all denominations, that any truth that any of the rest of us teach has to be not our own opinion, but the truth received from Jesus Christ. So, so you see what, what Jesus is, is doing in giving us these um, instructions is he's putting it in the context of religious leaders who were using their position to their advantage. They were using it as a tool of pride. Oh, let me be seen in public and let me wear the, the, whatever the, the, the garments are that I wear and get the places of honor and lengthen the tassels. And, and Jesus said, you're exalting yourself. The, the, the whole idea of, of being a religious believer and, and also if you're a leader of, in some way in your faith, 
is that you are submitting to God and helping others to do so, to the truth around which everyone has to gather and the word and the law to which everybody equally has to submit. That's the point here, that any teaching has to be the teaching from Christ. Now, as far as titles and terminologies, depends what you mean. If you have a, a form that you have to fill out for your employment or for the government or for anything else, and it says, you know, name of your mother and name of your father, and you have the name of your father, you're going to put your father's name. You're not, not going to put God. Well, of course God is our father. But you see the point. I mean, is it about titles and terminologies? I mean, when Paul writes to the Ephesians, he points out that in the church, Christ has appointed some as teachers. So is Paul violating the, the word here that Jesus said, call no one on earth your teacher? Well, no, because Paul recognizes what the teaching here is. The teachers established in the church, those who have that gift and responsibility, are responsible for teaching the teachings of Christ. So he alone is the teacher with a capital T, the source of all the teaching that then goes on for the thousands of years since he came and until, the, until he comes again. So it's not a matter of a, of a title as of understanding the nature of that role. Same thing with Father. As a matter of fact, if you look at uh, 1 Corinthians 4, of course the translations will vary. But Paul says, I became, he's talking to the Corinthians, he says, when I preached the gospel to you, I became your father in Christ. Is he violating Jesus' teaching, call no one on earth your father? Well, no, because he knows that he was given by Christ, as we all are in different ways, the opportunity to pass on spiritual life to others. When we bring people to faith, now especially you who are parents, you have, let's talk to you who are fathers. Yes, Suzanne, this is live. You who are fathers, are you the father of your children? Well, yeah. But are you ultimately the origin of their lives? Well, you played an essential role in them coming to be. But you know that God the Father is the origin, both of their lives and of yours. He made it possible for them to be conceived. He created their soul. And they, as well as you, as well as the rest of us, are responsible ultimately to the Father of all life. Now, if we have a real role in giving life, which you as a father do, which you who are mothers do, which you who are priests do, and which all of us as brothers and sisters in Christ do, when we spur one another on to deeper faith and spiritual life and repentance, well then, in an analogous way, we can say what Paul said, well, I preached the gospel to you, you believed, you received eternal life by faith, I became your father in Christ. It's not violating his teaching. So the reason that in the Catholic community and in, uh, in, 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 in various other traditions, we see it in some of the uh, other denominations too. This title, Father, is not given to say that they are the ultimate source of the gospel or the ultimate source of life in the kingdom. It's saying they are commissioned to pass that along. And that is what that means. But we don't have to get into uh, that dispute too, uh, too much because the, the fundamental point here is very simple. The gospel is not ours to tamper with. It doesn't originate with us. It does not 
get edited by us. It cannot be selectively presented by us. We have a duty to the whole gospel, and the people to whom we proclaim it have uh, the right to hear the entire reality of it, knowing that it is not, as we will reflect later this week, one of the readings is about, uh, you know, Paul says to the Thessalonians, you received this teaching from us, not as the word of men, but as it truly is the word of God. We'll reflect on that more deeply later in the week. That's what this is getting to. All right. So um, again, in reference to the pro-life cause, this is why we're pro-life. Only God is master. Only God is father. The life we are entrusted with, if we are parents, the lives that we are called to care for just as a human community, we are entrusted with the lives of one another, belong to Him. That's the whole point of the, the, the passage here. They belong to Him. And therefore, if a government passes a law or issues a court decision that says it's okay to dismember, to crush, to decapitate, to throw in the garbage, that little life developing in the womb, our response is it has no such authority. Nobody has that kind of authority. And therefore, you know, the argument that abortion is legal means absolutely nothing because there's no force to that law. Nobody has the authority to justify, to permit. Who's giving permission to tear apart a life that God created? Who's giving it? Who exactly is giving that permission? You remember the story I've told you many times. When I, one of the many times I was praying in front of an abortion facility and one of the people in our group was, uh, had their feet over the property line and the people in the abortion facility shouted out, well, get your feet off our property. And I shouted back to them, when are you going to get your hands off God's property? That's the point of this reading. Do not be called master. You have one master, the Christ. Get your hands off God's property, thinking you can legalize abortion. You've got these people now in Ohio, these pro-abortion groups. Let's put into the Constitution that there's a, 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 a right to an abortion. Says who? Where do you get that? Is nowhere. You don't get it anywhere. They just want to buy brute force. Now, what's very insulting when you see these, these efforts in these various states, they're doing it in Ohio, they want to do it here in Florida, they want to do it in Missouri. These pro-abortion groups are targeting various states. They, use, they actually use a sacred word. They use the word enshrine. We want to enshrine the right to abortion in our Constitution. Enshrine? It's, it's like you're putting something holy in a, in, a, in a display case or on an altar, something holy. It's not holy, it's murder. Enshrine. First of all, you're enshrining something that doesn't even exist. You're going to enshrine the right to abortion. There's no right to abortion. There's no right to kill another human being. Nobody has the right to come up to you on the street and, 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 and kill you. Oh my goodness. But when are we going to get out of this insanity? You know, this is rooted in insanity. That we concoct a right to be master over another human life. And we're being master over another human life because we're declaring that it has no right to live. That's the force of this reading. 
That's the power of this passage. That's the truth of this gospel. Let's pray now that more may accept and live it. And let's bring together all our needs before the presence of the Lord. Father, we thank you for this time together and for the word that uh, you have spoken to us. You are the source of all life. You are the only ruler of life, master of life and death. As Paul will say elsewhere, none of us lives as his own master, none of us dies as his own master. While we live, Lord, we are responsible to you. When we die, we die as your servants. In life and in death, we are the Lord's. Paul writes to the Romans. Thank you, Father, for that. Because there we have confidence, consolation. We know your protection. We know your power. And Lord, we invoke that protection and power over the most vulnerable because they are also the most targeted, ironically. The ones who need the most protection are the ones who are being the most attacked. Lord, it doesn't make any sense, but we see that it's happening and, and we will rally together to protect those lives because they are yours. In defending the right to life of these little babies, Father, we are defending you. We are defending your rights as the creator, as the source of life, as the owner of life. Thank you for that. Confirm us in that. And therefore, bless all those that are working for life, especially among our audience. Bless all those who are speaking this very day, praying in front of abortion facilities, working to advance pro-life policies, working to stop insane pro-abortion policies, working to elect pro-life leaders, Thank you, Lord God, for all these efforts and for those who are involved in them. Protect them and give them strength and perseverance. Bless all those, Lord God, among our online community today who are in need of healing, physical or, or spiritual. Bless those who are in need of guidance in making important decisions and consolation in the midst of sorrow and loss. Lord God, some are turning to you for praise and we join in, in praise and gratitude for blessings received, victories won, goals accomplished. And we thank you, Lord, for guiding all of us in living your word this day. Give us our mission each day. Renew us in that mission and give us the joy of carrying it out. And now we pray, O Lord, as your Son has taught us. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray to our Heavenly Mother. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Okay, friends, thank you so much. Uh, as uh, Suzanne is mentioning, there is a March for Life in London next week. So this is a global movement. We are united with all our brothers and sisters overseas in every country, and we at Priests for Life, of course, will be... Uh, Sending encouragement over to the marchers there in, uh, in the UK. And we pray for a great, you know, these, these marches in Europe have been a great and tremendous uh, expression of 
enthusiastic solidarity with the unborn. It's been really, really great, and, uh, and we'll see more of that uh, uh, next week and give you some commentary about it. Stay strong. I hope you're tuning into our My Evening broadcasts as well. We've uh, got a lot to say about the political situation, so tune in to Praying for America each night at 8 o'clock. And uh, like Joanna is saying, hit the like button and uh, share, subscribe, follow. Depending on what platform you are, do whatever it is that increases your connection with ours. Because as you know, the way these platforms work, that enables more people to see uh, these uh, videos. Thanks so much. We'll be praying for you and talk to you later on. God bless. Hello, this is Father David Begany. Like many priests, I am inspired and always learning from the Ministry of Priests for Life, which is one of the largest and most visible pro-life organizations in the world. This ministry relies on your financial support to be able to do its work, produce its programs, and travel the world to advocate for the unborn. May I ask you to support Priests for Life generously? Go today to prolifegift.org and give as generous a gift as you can. Thank you so much, and be assured of our daily prayers for you. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.